Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our West Conway campus. Thanks for listening. It's Christmas season, right? And I don't know about you, I still get super excited about opening gifts on Christmas morning. Anybody else, like you're grown, but still want to get a gift, right? So I grew up, um, we weren't like wealthy by any means. We also like weren't like poverty poor. We were like somewhere in the sweet spot, right? Where some Christmases, we got some, a pair of pants, some socks, and we were happy. Other Christmases, um, we had toys, all the stuff. I remember one Christmas though, um, I really got into dinosaurs. I was six, um, six years old, was really into dinosaurs, all right? And um, I was hoping that I would wake up to find a dinosaur. I didn't care what it was. I just want a dinosaur for Christmas. That's all I asked for, right? So I wake up morning, grandparents, mom, everyone's like, come on, it's Christmas to see what Santa brought. <clears throat> and so I go out and I still remember this, like I'll never forget it, going out to see not just a dinosaur, but a four foot tall Godzilla, okay? Um, that had like the laser eyes that when you press the button, it said, pew, 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 right? Like super like 90s. I, I lost my mind, okay? I remember it was like singing and I was like running around yelling like a dinosaur, had no idea who Godzilla was or how my mom found a Godzilla toy, um, but I had it and it was the best. I was just so excited, right? It was Christmas morning. It was a, it was a good time. And now as a dad, I, I, it's even better, right? It's a, like when you become a parent and you give gifts to your kids, right? It's, it's just even better, right? Uh, my soon-to-be four-year-old wants a drum set, not just a drum set, but a pink drum set for Christmas. And so guess what? She's going to get a pink drum set. You better believe it. Guess where it's going? Upstairs in the deep side of her playroom, right? Uh, but I can't wait for her to, to wake up because I know what's going to happen. She's going to be so excited. Uh, she's going to yell. It's going to be, it's just going to be a, a fun time. And that's what like the Christmas season is, right? Like we know, like remember the season, that's cute. We love getting gifts just as much as we love giving gifts, right? But it's, it's the family, it's the, it's the lights, it's the songs. But at the same exact time, the Christmas season can also be hard for the very same reasons, where, where some people are experiencing not as much joy as other people or peace or excitement in this season, but, but maybe some, of, some people are experiencing despair, maybe a little bit of anxiety or, or um, not really seeing peace in their life. And I think that's kind of the Christian life, where there's times in our Christian walk with Jesus where we're excited, where we're sharing the gospel, where, we're, where we want to be obedient. We want to go to church. We want to serve. We want to do all these things. And, and we're just full of that peace and that joy. And just, it's just a, a refreshing excitement. But at the same time, inside the Christian walk, we experience seasons where we don't feel as much joy where we don't feel like God's working in our life, where we don't see a plan and it working out. And, and, and maybe instead of peace, we feel depression or we feel anxiety. We feel these different things. And, and there's times in our life where we trust Jesus with everything. And then there's other moments in our walk where we start doubting. Like, God, are you hearing my prayers? God, I, I'm waiting for a response. And I, what I love about the series that we're in, we're, we're in um, a series in Luke where we're looking at four different songs that were sang around the, the birth of Jesus Christ. And these are four real people who experienced real life issues like we are experiencing. And today we're going to be looking at Zechariah where up front is an, a, is an exciting and joyful um, type of song that we're about to, to read. But it's coming from a place 
of, of a season of hard waiting, full of hurt, and even questioning and doubts of, if God has a plan. And so before we get into this song, let's pray um, and, and then ask the Lord to help us to learn, help us to respond, and then we'll jump into Luke chapter one. So let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for um, baptisms. We thank you for little kids singing. We thank you for church family. And we thank you for this season uh, of life, Lord. And, but I pray that we um, can pause and just get into your word, Lord, that you would help us to read it, help us to understand it. But more importantly, Lord, teach us. Teach us to respond to, to what it is you are calling us to do, God. We, we want to be a people of response and action, not a people who just are just going through the motions. God, I pray that you use me in a big way, but that you do what only you can do and draw us to you, God. It's your son's name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Luke chapter one, we're looking at Zachariah's song. If you don't know who Zachariah is, let me give you a little bit of context. Luke chapter one tells us Zachariah was married to this woman named um, Elizabeth who happened to be Mary's cousin. If you was with us last week, you learned a little bit about that. But Luke chapter one, verse three, um, tells us um, a little bit about this couple. It, it tells us that they were righteous in God's sight and they lived without blame. Now that doesn't mean that they were perfect. By no means at all were they perfect people. However, However, they took their faith seriously. They took obedience and, and, and following God's rule, um, law seriously. Not perfect, but they were serious about their faith, right? So what was the problem? The, the, the Bible teaches us that man, they were older in their years, right? So they're older in age and they still didn't have a child. They've been praying and it, and it just wasn't happening. Elizabeth could not conceive. And like I said, the Christian journey, it's like this, right? Where there's, there's nothing but ups and downs. For these two people, I and mean, we don't see this literally, but imagine some of the thoughts that are running through their head. Where God, I love you and I, I'm obedient. I follow, like I do all the things. And yet, are you hearing our prayer? How come this isn't happening? So remember also, Zechariah is a priest. So this is a man and a woman. They love God. But if we're being honest, Sometimes it's hard to trust that God has a plan for your life. And sometimes when you're in a hard season, it's hard to trust that God is going to do something specifically if you've been praying and waiting and haven't seen anything happen just yet. So some context, a little bit more. Um, and, and where we're about to pick up where he's singing this song, Zachariah, a priest, um, was chosen by a lot, right? So random selection to be the priest who got to go into the temple, right? Only this happened one time a year for one priest. He was chosen to go in and do the ministry, right? He's, he's burning incense. He's doing all these things that, that, that they did in that culture. And so it, it just so happens to be his year. Season of waiting and just so happens he's selected to go in. Can I tell you something about God and how he works? With God, there is no just so happens, right? That's never the case. God has a plan for your life. And the Bible teaches that he's constantly working that plan out. But just so happens, he is the priest that gets chosen to go into the temple. He's about to go in. And I want you to see what happens as he goes in. Look at Luke chapter one, verse 13 and 14. Uh, an angel appears for him, uh, before him, and this is what the angel says. Don't be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. How amazing is this moment? Right, Something that Zachariah had been waiting and praying for, all of a sudden an angel appears and goes, hey, listen, you might feel like God isn't listening or he's not there. He has heard your prayers. 
not just heard them, he's answering them. Your wife will have a son. You will name him John and he's going to bless people. But I want you to see his response. Look at, go down to verse 18. Here's how Zechariah responds. How can I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Think about this. He has been in a season of waiting pretty much his entire life. Waiting for God to answer his prayer for a kid. Waiting for his chance to be the priest to go in and, and, and do the temple ministry. Waiting, praying, waiting and praying. And now an angel comes to him and says, God has heard your prayers. God's not ignoring you. God, God isn't just not listening. He's working a plan out and now it's happening. So for years, I mean, they, all they wanted was, was to be faithful, to walk in obedience. And they're praying these prayers, they're serving, they're waiting, they're praying, they're serving, they're waiting. And now God reveals, I have an answer to those prayers. I have a plan. And his response with, not like excitement, but with doubt. His response is, how is this gonna work? How, how can this be true? How is this possible? So I want to remind you, how was he described before this took place? As a man of righteousness, blameless, who walked in obedience. So I want to just like, just, just speak to you as my church family. Listen, doubt in and of itself is not a sin. We will experience questions and seasons of hard times that lead us to, to have questions and doubts. The doubt in and of itself is not a sin. This is a priest, a, a, a righteous man as well he was described as, and yet he still doubted. So doubt in and of itself is not a sin. It's what you do with those doubts that truly matter. Do you allow those doubts to creep in and stop you from pursuing God or do you run to God with those questions? That's, that's what matters with your doubts. Don't, don't try to pretend they're not real. Man, lean into Jesus with those questions, with those doubts. Amen? So here's what happens to Zechariah. How many of you are like me and like Zechariah? Sometimes you have to learn the hard way. Anybody else? Right? It's a hard life to live. I choose, like, choose a different path, but Zechariah has to learn the hard way. Here's what happens next. He, because he doubts, right? Um, the angel um, tells him, hey, because you doubted and, and you didn't believe that I told you that God has a plan, that you're gonna have a baby for nine months until that baby is born, we're gonna seal. You're gonna, your mouth will be shut. You're not gonna be able to talk until that baby is born, right? So for nine months, imagine this, right? Silent for nine months. Some of you can't be quiet for five minutes, right? Nine months of silence, mouth shut, more waiting, more questions, still trying to be faithful, still trying to be obedient until the day Elizabeth gives birth to her son. There he is, like it's real, it's tangible, like God kept his promise. And then eight days later, um, according to custom, this baby's about to be circumcised and all the people, friends, family, right? They're all excited. They're, they're, they're you know, they're high-fiving each other. They're liking her Facebook post. Baby's here, right? All this stuff. And, and, and so that time of culture, the son would be named after the dad. And so everyone's like, look at baby Zachariah, little baby Zach, Zach, he's awesome. And, and Elizabeth goes, no, his name is not Zachariah. His name is John. And so the people around them are, say, are questioning. They're looking at John. Remember who is silent, can't speak and go, why are we naming him John? Your, your name is Zachariah. But remember, obedient servants who take their faith seriously. 
Zechariah says, give me a tablet. And he writes his name, the baby's name is John. I mean, full trust, full obedience. Push through the doubts, push through the questions, push through the waiting, trusted and said, no, no, this baby's name is John because that's what God said. And in that moment, the Bible said that his mouth and his tongue were set free and he didn't just start talking, right? He started praising God. He started singing this song with more excitement, more excitement than Christmas morning and Godzilla's like more than any excitement that you can experience. He opens his mouth and begins to sing a song of praise. Now the song that we're about to get into, um, some, some um, commentators say there's 30 through 33 ties to the Old Testament. 33 different prophecies that are being answered in this one song um, that he sings. Now, we're not going to get into all 33 of those, but let's look at what Luke or what Zechariah sings. Look at verse 67 through 71. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, singing, praising God. Verse 68, blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. I, I love this. Old man Zechariah starts his song by just praising God for how faithful he is to keeping his promises, specifically to the promise that he made to David way back in the Old Testament. Right, y'all remember King David, right? Where, where there's a moment where King David is, is the, like the peak part of his kingship. He's the most powerful um, that he's ever been. He's the most influential he's ever been. And he has a desire to build a kingdom or build a temple so that people can worship God. And, and God tells him through the prophet Nathan that he's going to build um, a, um, a legacy of kings throughout his, um, um, throughout his lineage. Look at 2 Samuel 7, verse 11 through 12. It says this, the Lord declares to you, the Lord himself will make a house for you. When your time comes and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up after you your descendant who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. So God way back then tells King David, hey, listen, I am going to establish you through your lineage, a kingdom that is going to last forever. Isaiah 9 gives us some more details. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 says this, for a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. So here, like, let's put this all together. If you were here with us last week, David, um, Pastor David talked to us about how there was a 400 year gap where God was silent, didn't speak. 400 years, God's people waiting. And they were just trying to be faithful, but holding on to the hope that God had promised King David a long time ago that through him, there will come a king who will establish dominion over everyone that will come in as a mighty warrior, uh, the, 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 the mighty um, king who would come in and, and protect us, save us from our enemies, save us from destruction. And his dominion, his kingship would never end. 
So for 400 years, they're just holding on through the silent, through the questions, through the doubts, God made a promise that a king would come. And then one day, we know, soon in the context of Zechariah singing, it's just a few months later, that king would be born and his name is Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus. Verse 68, if you, if, if you read that again, he, he, he's just talking, blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption. Provided redemption. This is what their hope was. What does that redemption look like? It looks like the horn of salvation from David. That horn of salvation, I love that, that imagery uh, because it, it's showing like this, um, think of like a wild beast, right? Like a bull or like a, a, um, a goat, an ox, like big animal, powerful, big horns, right? Um, and so I have a little confession to make. When I was in college, I got really nerdy into like Discovery Channel, like Animal Kingdom stuff. Anybody else get into that, right? Like we got really addicted to it. It was super weird. Um, that's all we talked about for a long time. Um, and then one time I was in a youth ministry, right? Um, I was a junior high minister in East Texas. And we would take students on a backpacking trip, two week long backpacking trip up in like uh, Washington, Idaho, all, all these different places. And um, one of my favorite moments ever come from like this weird addiction to the animal channel, right? Like um, I was, we were really close to summiting. We had to camp out at the bottom of this mountain and the guide woke me up about 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. And he said, hey, Donnie, do you want to go get coffee? And I was like, bro, where are we getting coffee on the mountain? Like there's no, like this isn't Conway, dude. Like there's, there's no coffee shops out here. He's like, no, let's get some Folgers. We'll go up on top of the mountain and we'll drink coffee and watch the sunrise before all these kids wake up. I was like, done, let's do it. So we hiked up making the worst cup of coffee I ever had in my entire life, right? On a mountain, like we're peak high up, right? On a 14er. And all of a sudden, like, it's just beautiful. It's just silent. And the coffee tastes a little bit better, right? And I hear crack like this. Like it scared me so bad because like we're just up there. We're just like, we're looking down on the clouds. We hear a crack and we turn and look to see two mountain goats, okay? Horns and all fighting each other. This turned into the most manly moment I've ever experienced in my life, right? Because these goats, they would back up and they're scraping the ground. I learned that's a sign of intimidation, right? Discovery Channel. They're trying to show, hey, I'm about to come and I'm about to smack you. And then they're waving their horns back and forth. I learned that's another sign of I'm about to mess you up, right? Common sense should tell you that, but I learned it, right? And then they just charge, and they charge with as much force as they physically can bring and they smack each other and it's nonstop until one of them surrenders. It was the most testosterone filled morning of my entire life. I loved it, right? Here's what's amazing about this metaphor. What Zachariah is singing, he's singing that God, he promised David that he would bring a king from his lineage and this king would bring um, salvation. He would be the horn of salvation. In other words, what Zechariah is singing and what God is trying to show people is that when Jesus is born, he's not just another baby. He's not just another king. He's the horn of salvation and God is gonna show the world how powerful he is by bringing Jesus here to live, die as our sacrifice, be raised up from the grave to prove to everyone he is over all things, that he can bring redemption, that he can bring salvation. Why? Because it's who he is. He is Jesus Christ. Christ. 
And that horn of salvation that he is, Hebrews 7.25 says this, is able to save the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. In other words, all the song that he's singing and the praise that he's giving is for the fact that God promised a savior that can save anybody. That he's promised a savior who has the power to save anybody. No matter your background, no matter your, your, your baggage, no matter like the, if the things that you try to keep secret, no matter where you are financially, no matter where you are like influential, like no matter who you are, he is able to save anyone who would humble themselves, repent and say, Jesus, I need you. You're the Lord of my life. He is able to save. And, and Zechariah is just singing. This is the plan all along. In the waiting, in the questions, in the doubt, God was working out this plan to bring salvation to the world. And Zechariah is seeing it play out in front of his very eyes. And he can't help but to sing and to tell people about this. The next part of his song, let's look at it. Not only is he praising God for the promise he kept to King David, but he's got to sing um, about the promise that he made to Abraham. Look at verse 72 through 75. He has dealt mercifully with our fathers and remembered his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham, he has given us the privilege, since we've been rescued from the hand of our enemies, the privilege to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in the presence of all, all of our days. So the next thing that he's singing about is this promise that God made to Abraham, which makes sense because that promise to Abraham is the promise that King David was holding on to. And so what is that promise? Back in Genesis 12, I'll sum it up for the sake of time. Um, God promised Abraham, who was older, childless, and, but just obedient, that, hey, I'm going to make you a great nation, that all peoples from the earth would be blessed through you. And we see that take place in Genesis 15, where Abraham was, well, just believed the Lord. He trusted and said, okay, I'm, I'm in. And God counted it to him as righteousness. In other words, God was pleased with Abraham's faith to just say yes, to just, to just put his trust in God's plan. And then God did it. He gave him a son in Isaac. Now, if you remember, if you don't know, if you've never um, been um, like uh, read through Genesis, Genesis chapter two, which by the way, we're going through Genesis in the new year. So don't miss out on that. It's gonna be a, a good series. Um, God called Abraham to lay down his son, Isaac, as a sacrifice. Now pause, let me just clear things up. God is not into like baby sacrifices, okay? Like that's not what God is into. But God wanted to see if Abraham truly trusted that God had a plan for him. And Abraham, in this, in this really um, vulnerable state, says, okay. And, and he takes his son, he makes an altar, and he lays his son down. And right before he's about to sacrifice his son, God stops him, provides an provides a animal sacrifice, and declares to Abraham, hey, because you obeyed me, because you trusted in me that I have a good plan for you, because you obeyed, the nations of the earth will be blessed through this offspring. So, so God was pleased with Abraham, pleased with his service. And now, Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, opens his mouth and thanks God for being a promise keeper. 
that Jesus would come and he would fulfill the very promise that he made to Abraham, that through his lineage, that, that everyone, the nations will be blessed because they have a savior. And here steps Jesus where he is gonna set people free from what? The bondage of sin and death. And because of Jesus and what Zechariah is singing, we no longer follow God and all the rules and all these things that we feel like, man, this is just putting me in a box. We don't view obedience that way because we have been set free from the law, free from sin and death. So in that freedom, we choose to walk in obedience with joy. We, we don't use our freedom to just for ourselves. That's not why Jesus came to set us free. We have been set free to follow, to follow God. So, so serving and, 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 and saying no to sin and, and, and being obedient is not out of like this dutiful obligation. It's because of how good God is, what he's done in our lives that we go, I'm gonna use my freedom to bring other people to Jesus Christ. I will walk in obedience. I will serve him. You serving God freely with joy is a staple in your life that Jesus is with you. He's in you and you're pursuing him. He delivers us, but he also gives us meaning and purpose. So we don't use our freedom to just do what we want. We use our freedom to bring him glory and honor and to tell other people about him. So Zechariah is singing this song why he's, he's praising God for his promises being kept to, to David and to, to Abraham. And now he looks at his baby boy and let's look at the next part of the song. He's about to sing to his baby John, verse 76. And you child will be called a great prophet of the most high. You will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. I, I love how Zechariah switches it up where he's now talking and singing songs to his son. He's, he's literally telling him, son, you are, have a great mission. Baby John, like you're not just a normal baby. You have a plan, you have a purpose that God has created you for. And that's to be what the Bible in the Old Testament said is the forerunner for the Messiah. So he's, he's speaking to his son and says, son, your mission, you're only eight days old, but your mission is to go and prepare people for the coming King that we've all been hoping for to tell them that the king is coming, so repent, get ready. He's looking at his baby boy with this a heart and eyes teary out. I can just feel it as, as, a, as a new dad. Like he, he's, just, he's just joyful over the future of his son. Now what we can learn from that, if you're a grandparent or a parent or an uncle or a cousin or, 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 or someone who volunteers in our kid ministry, which by the way, we need more of you. This is our role as believers to share with the younger generation, you have a purpose over your life, that God made you to know him and to make him known to others. And so use this holiday season to do that. If you're a grandparent or, or a parent or an uncle or brother, sister, or just like the neighbor that, that's cool, and like you just have fun outside with kids, like let them know God made them with a purpose, that he loves them. And they exist in this world for more than just themselves. Like, like do that for these kids. He's looking at his son. And matter of fact, what's, what's awesome about this, Jesus even says that John, that no one else is greater. Anyone born of woman, no one is greater than this guy, John. He's, he's the greatest. Why? Because he lived his life full of purpose and mission to let people know that the king was coming. He surrendered to it. 
So Zechariah, he's, he's singing this song. He's praising God. And then he flows right into the ending. Look at verse 78 through 79. This is what he says. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Family, that is the hope that we hold on to today. Like, I don't know if you've ever been like in a backpacking trip or if you ever find yourself like deep in the wilderness at nighttime. If you haven't, let me tell you, it's super creepy, right? Like it's weird, right? Like it's not as peaceful as the movies make you think, right? Um, it's not okay, okay? Like you're, you're out in the wilderness, it's super dark, you can't see anything. And then imagine having like 20 junior high kids out there with you, right? Plus two mountain goats fighting, right? This is not... It's not a good experience. But the picture that Zachariah is painting is, is, this, is this picture of, of darkness, right? It feels like he's painting the picture that for, for that 400 year gap where God was silent, that God's people were just out in the wilderness, sitting in darkness, in the shadow of death, waiting for something to happen and, and waiting to hear from God, waiting for God to move. And, and I know that some of you, if we we're just being open and honest, some of you feel like that right now where you have felt like you've been in a season of waiting for a long time and you've been praying and you feel weighed down and you don't see how, how this situation that you're going through, the things that are weighing down on you, you don't see how these things are ever going to let up. And, and so it's, it's getting harder for some of you to this, man, I, I, I love God, I love Jesus, but I, I'm having a hard time trusting that he has a good plan for me because look at, look at my life. I'm just waiting and praying. And like I said, in the beginning of the sermon, some of you, you're in a great season with Jesus. Praise God for that. I pray that that season goes on for a long time. But some of us, like we, we, we're in a season of, of despair and hurt or, or not peace, but anxiety. So he's painting this picture that, that we can relate to a season of the struggle, not knowing if God hears me, if he loves and cares or even has a plan. And, and, and if the song ends there, if the song he's singing ends with just darkness and the wilderness and the shadow of death, then it's not a good song. But praise God, hallelujah, the song doesn't end there. Listen to what he says. He, let's just read the verses one more time. Because our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. What is he saying? He's rejoicing in the fact that even if you find yourself in a dark, painful season of waiting, know this, no matter how dark darkness gets around you, the sun eventually does what? Comes back up. That no matter how dark darkness gets, if the sun goes down, we know it's gonna come back up. And what he's referring to is not the sun that we see in the sky, but God, Jesus Christ, the sun who would come in this context, in just a few months, and when Jesus would be born in just a few months, the darkness that sin has casted has to flee. Why? Because the light of the world is now here. And where there is light, darkness has to flee. This is pointing to Jesus, the horn of our salvation, who would be born, would live and die as our sacrifice, be buried for three days in the darkness of the tomb where everyone thinks, well, now what's gonna happen? We thought this was the plan. We thought he was the savior. Three days later, we know that that grave opens up and the darkness flees. Jesus is alive and now we have hope. 
And what Zechariah is pointing us to is when you trust in that, Jesus, the light of the world, is able to guide our feet to the path of real peace. Jesus said that he is the light of the world. The dawn on high, this is Jesus Christ. He says that if anyone would, would walk through me, they will walk in the light. But I know some of us in here, this is not what we're experiencing in our walk with Jesus right now. I know someone in here feels like, man, you, you have lost your way and you just can't see the light. You're overwhelmed by whatever situation and circumstance you're in and you cannot see the light. And, and maybe some of you even have questions where, man, I know I love God. I know I believe he's real, but I'm doubting. Here's what I want you to know. If you, find, if you have found yourself in that season, God loves you. He cares for you. He knows your heart. He knows the questions. He knows the doubt. He knows the anger. And he is calling you to pursue him through those things. To not try to ignore them or pretend they're not real or try to hide them so that you look well put together. Like that's not what Christianity is about. He calls you to take those things and lay them at his feet. Why? Because he cares for you. And he wants to show you, even in that season of waiting and hurt, he has a plan. He wants you to experience true life. He wants you to experience real peace. Listen, real peace is not found when all the hard things go away. That's not reality. Y'all know that, right? Jesus promised us, hey, in this world, you're going to have what? Trouble. Life sucks, sorry. Right? But you can have peace in the middle of that trouble. You, you can have peace that's ready and available to you in the midst of the hard seasons of life. And it doesn't come through pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. It comes by you surrendering in full dependency and trusting Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.